Hello brothers and sisters in the Vineyard family. This is Pat Howeiler and I'll be bringing your online devotional today. Today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and specifically verse 10. I wanted to talk about beachhead scriptures while you're accessing Nehemiah 8 there. What I mean by beachhead scriptures are the scriptures that have resonated in our heart is through our walk with the Lord, as we've meditated on them, they've made a connection. And when we get to a low place, a difficult place, these verses, these scriptures become anchor points for us that we can lean on and lean into and get repositioned to go forward again with the Lord. A few examples, Jeremiah 29 where the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Jesus in Matthew 11, come to me, ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? These are the kind of verses I'm talking about. Well, Nehemiah 8.10 has one of those verses for us. To set the context real quickly, we're over a century since the Babylonian Empire has taken Jerusalem and Judah. In fact, since then, the Media Persian Empire has rooted out the Babylonians. The Jews are still in exile in Babylon. And Nehemiah hears of the reports from Jerusalem of the city being in disrepair still. And his heart's grieved. Now, Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king of Persia. And that's a big position. That's like a presidential cabinet position today, uh, one of high honor. But you're not supposed to be a despondent or have bad countenance before king because he can have you executed for that. And the king sees Nehemiah downcast and he asks him what's going on. And Nehemiah just says real honestly that you know, he's, he's, he's hurt in his soul because the, the city's in disrepair. So Nehemiah is granted the favor to go back there and take men and go back and even give them provision. So they're moving forward and everything's good and they're working on the wall and of course then comes opposition. How often does that happen with us? Things are going good and boom, where did that come from? Well, they had to deal with enemy attack. In fact, they actually had to have half the men stand guard while the other half did the work on the wall. But they persevered and we find in, in verse 10, where Nehemiah says that this gathering of all Israel, or of those who are in Jerusalem, go eat of the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that last clause is what I want to hone in on. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I suffer from depression. I know I have a reputation of being a jokester and pretty upbeat and always being a little bit silly. But the truth is I've had clinical depression for over 20 years. I take medication, I've had counseling, and I've had some rough seasons. In fact, this year, like so many of us, I had a really rough portion. And in fact, I was despairing even of life. And just as in a word of encouragement for anybody who might be struggling, there's biblical precedence for that. Uh, Paul reached a point where he despaired of life. David 
you can see through a lot of his psalms, you can see the ups, you can see the downs. He was, he had despair. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of the best known uh, preachers of the 19th century, he had terrible bouts of depression, debilitating. But it's the joy of the Lord that ultimately allows us to persevere and push through. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to take just a slight uptick on this because I think the tendency is we think that that means if we ponder the Lord and think of all he's done for us that that will give us joy and that will be our strength and there is nothing wrong with that nothing whatsoever but I think it's more than that this passage because from a grammatical position and I know you were were told there'd be no math and no grammar but we're doing it Uh, From a grammatical position, that word of is possessive. So who is it of? It's the joy of the Lord. In other words, it's his joy. It's his joy. It's God's joy that is our strength. Not our joy in him. That's great. But it's literally his joy that's our strength. And I think sometimes we have a hard time getting a hold of the fact that Jesus was joyful. He had a serious mission. He came to seek and save that was lost. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He dealt with religious leaders. It was serious business, kingdom business. But I can't imagine that he didn't have joy. I I just see joy in his character. You know, his first miracle was at a wedding in Cana. They had a good time. He loved, I'm sure he loved fellowshipping with his disciples. It was the night before he died, before he gave his life for us. It was precious to him to be with his disciples. And in the, in the scriptures where it says that the little children were bothering him and they were going to send him away, and Jesus says, Forbid them not, for such as the kingdom of heaven is done to them. You know, I'm, I think that Jesus saw those kids who were probably whirling about and laughing and playing and running and doing all the stuff kids do, and I can't help but see Jesus throwing his head back and going, oh, that's, that's hilarious. I think Jesus exuded joy. And joy is a very attractive quality when it comes to reaching the lost, and that's the burden so many of us have, is to reach people with Jesus. You know, I heard John Wimber once say, the last time I heard him speak, in fact, he was the founder of the Vineyard, for those of you not familiar. He said, it's hard for you to bring the good news if you're the bad news. So that's something I always held on to. Dour-faced, sour Christianity, Eeyore Christianity, is not going to be attractive to people. The joy of the Lord the Tigger mentality, if you will, that's attractive to people. And I think that we can even hone in a little further on that personally. Because I look at Zephaniah 3, one of the great scriptures for just getting a hold of the joy of the Lord. It says he rejoices over us with singing. Jesus has a song just for you. You have a your song with Jesus. You'll get to hear it someday. Finally, it was noted by the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 
that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. And as painful and as difficult as those six hours were, the fact is, he looked beyond that, and he saw the joy of redeeming us. So let that be your strength. Let that be your anchor point in this difficult season. And may the joy of the Lord be your strength now and always, until you get to express it to him in person when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Have a great day.